Hey, this is Russell Wilson. This is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti, and welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. June workouts are ongoing as some teams, they hold their mandatory mini camps this week. Some will finish up next week before they take a break until training camp. Our guest this week, three-time All-Pro linebacker, edge rusher Von Miller, and three-time Pro Bowl tight end, Greg Olson, who is now the top analyst at Fox, does a great job. Stay tuned to hear from Vaughn and Greg. DeAndre Hopkins is reportedly visiting the Titans for his first visit now that he's a free agent since being let go by the Arizona Cardinals. While the Titans traded away A.J. Brown last year, so it makes some sense for Tennessee. I'm sure he'll have other options. If I'm DeAndre, I'd want to play for a team that has a shot at winning a Super Bowl, and I don't think Tennessee is in that category. Let's kick it off this week with Von Miller. He is an eight-time Pro Bowl pick, a two-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 50 MVP. Von is among the players who have joined grass seed leader Pennington in a campaign called Flip the Turf. They're urging players and fans to sign a change.org petition that calls for the six, there's still 16 stadiums, and they're calling for those 16 stadiums that use artificial turf to switch to the safer and eco-friendly option, which is grass. Vaughn, of course, last year tore his ACL playing against the Lions on artificial turf. Here's my conversation with Bill's edge rusher, Vaughn Miller. Hey, Vaughn, what's up, man? Let me get your thoughts on Leonard Floyd, man, former teammate. Guys win a Super Bowl together. Now he's part of Bill's Mafia. Yeah, that's super dope, man. And um, it's crazy because I, I was talking to Floyd um, during this offseason when he was a free agent. And had none, I was just explaining to him how dope it was to beat a, a Buffalo Bill and the similarities that I really liked about L.A. and how but the Buffalo Bills are the same in, in some way. So it was kind of like I was – I kind of pitched it to him, but I don't even think it was a, a deal on the table or anything like that. Yeah, I was just talking to him about my experience here with the Buffalo Bills, and I was telling him he would be able to find that same thing. And, you know, it's super cool to have my guy, man. He's here. I, I love the way he works. Um, he's a great guy in in and out the locker room. Um, we got all my guys from the, from the uh, Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl 56 days. We got Taylor Rapp, Traven Howard. Uh, we signed Edwards, too, the offensive guard. So, yeah, we're we getting stacked with that Super Bowl team for sure. All we need is Aaron Donald, man. And Aaron Donald and <laughs> Aaron Donald. And, uh, and, and, and my, and my guy, man, we would be crazy, man. We'd be crazy, man. Ed Oliver and feel, Aaron Donald, that would go crazy. Do you feel with, with Leonard Floyd coming in there now, it may take a little bit of pressure off of you early in the season, depending on when you were planning on – like, I know you're aiming for week one, but what, you, mm-hmm. what, you, what you're going through, the rehab and everything else, yep. does it help you change your mindset at all? No, I does. I still want to be available week one, but I don't have like that. Dang, if I don't make it, I'm letting my team down. Type of feeling, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if we we got a locker room full of guys. We got a defensive line room full of guys that can go and play, man. And you know, it does. Like you said, I wouldn't say it's pressure because I, you know, pressure is just self perceived. I feel like I'm gonna be ready to go, but we got guys that's gonna be ready to go. If, even if I'm not, like. Floyd is ready to go. Floyd is a great pass rusher. He's six. I, I think he's six six, and and, uh, and Greg Rousseau is six six. We got to have one of the tallest defensive lines in there as well, man. But it's it's super cool, man. It, like you said, you know, it does take you know some of the expectation to be off. I can just take my time and do whatever it takes, and I can come back when I'm absolutely one hundred percent. Because we got guys like Flo. And, Guys like Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, and Boogie Basham. We got a room full of guys for sure. What's it been like with 
Sean McDermott having to be the play caller now. Have you felt that transition yet, or it's still too early with the OTAs and all that stuff to where you, you can't really yeah. tell going from Leslie to, to Sean? No, Coach McDermott was always involved. He was always there. It feels the same. You know, I will say in a, uh, what doesn't feel the same is just not having Coach Frazier there, you know, telling us the deal. Like, it, it's just it, – it, because Coach McDermott would come in the the, um, the meeting room and he would, you know, give his opinion and what he's seeing on certain plays and stuff. So he was always involved. Now he's just there, you know, the whole time. So it, it uh, it's, it's been a seamless transition. Um, I'm excited for Coach McDermott. He's a defensive-minded coach. Um I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We got we got we got a great. He's he all he's always believed in, you know, the quarterback, offensive line, and defensive line. They they are the determining factors and the most important people involved in the game. Our offensive line is, has taken great steps to get better, man. Our defensive line has as well. Josh Allen's gonna be on fire this year, and that's all. Uh, you know, that's all been Coach Coach McDermott's uh, expectation, man. So it's been super cool having him in the defensive room for sure. Now we talked about you trying to work your way back to week one. We all know what happened Tore your ACL. And, and I know that's a big reason why you're involved in this uh, campaign, Vaughn, with Flip the Turf. Playing on artificial turf is how you got injured. I know a lot of players are against it. I understand the reasoning for it. It kind of blows my mind that there's still artificial turf out there in 2023. It's always about player safety, player safety, player safety. Well, there you go. Grass is a little bit safer. The injuries, the numbers prove it. Tell me about your involvement in that. And I mean, I know you're passionate about it, man. I saw the video that the, yeah. the commercial that they wouldn't air. <laughs> you know, according to, uh, you know, recent, you know, information that's released by the NFL, non-contact injuries occurred at a higher rate on artificial turf compared to grass in 2022. Our game was founded on grass. Um, this is our game was was built on grass. It's safer. It feels better. Um, I'm partnering up with uh, Pennington and the flip the flip the turf campaign. We're advocating for player safety. You know by encouraging the league to flip. You know the turf on all NFL fields, going from artificial to natural grass. It's, it's a better surface. It feels better. I've I've been injured twice on 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 artificial turf, so I know what it does to the fingers, toes, backs. And um, yeah, we're just turning up this time. If you really think about it, like, you know, I, I hate to digress, but if you think about it, like, just say if we're playing golf, right? You are you a golf guy? You a golf guy? I, I'm not. I'm not a golf guy. I tore my ACL playing football. I'm. St I'm still trying to be like you guys, trying to play. <laughs> One day when I when I get older, I'm a golf. I'm a golf guy, man. Just think if they changed the fairways to artificial turf, like it would be, it would be an uproar of that and that's the same thing what we're dealing with man like our game was founded on on natural grass if it's it feels better rain sleet hail or snow and it's uh it's all about player safety man i'm all for guys being able to play as best as possible as long as possible and um that's what this is all about i didn't even realize von that you're allergic to grass so mm -hmm. you're advocating for like you're alert what happens what does grass do to you like do you you get break uh, out yeah, yeah, I know I that's where your sleeves, right? That's why I wear the long sleeves. That's why I wear the long sleeves. No matter if it's rain, no matter if it's hot, no matter what, I always wear long sleeves. You know, if I, I start sneezing and and um and like get like little hives and stuff. And I'm allergic to grass, and I still prefer playing on natural turf than artificial turf. It, it's just better for your body, man. It feels better. You'll be able to play longer on it. When you guys have these conversations, because you're not the only player, so many players are are advocating for flipping the turf for playing on grass. When you have these conversations with the guys in position to make the change and really it's ownership, how do they justify it to you? Do, do, do you buy 
what they're saying to you, like why they can or why they don't or why they're unwilling? In my own mind, like if I was like if I was the owner, like, you know, you got these stadiums and, you know, just putting on my honestly, when it comes to player safety, if I'm a football owner and I have a football team and my stadium is built around the football players, I would want to have the best surface for those guys. But if I if it, I the only thing that I could think of that would ter- that would turn me away from that. It would have to be like concerts or having being multi-purpose, and you can. It's easier to uh, you know get things in and off uh, artificial turf. But if I'm an owner, that's that's really it. Am I saying am I saying the concerts are more important to me than my my football team? You know, my football team's you know health on the football field. Like it's you know so it's it's you know, I'm sure it's different perspectives. You know, my perspective when I try to think about it, that's that's the only thing that would that will kind of deter me from being on natural grass. Other than that, man, like it's all about player safety. My stadium is built around my football team. So I want to put the best surface out there for those guys, no matter what. And they should, my football team should always come before my, my monster jam or my concert or my boxing <laughs> match. And I'm going to have them on the turf. 100%. You, you would think, man, you would think like, it just makes too much sense. I know everything comes down to dollar and cents and, and, and like, look at Thursday night football. That's, Thursday night football exists because of all the money the NFL is making Mm -hmm. from it. And I know, Von, you're interested in post-career potentially maybe being in a front office, like a GM type thing, shadowed Mm -hmm. Brandon Bean at the Combine. What was that experience like for you? It was great. Um, I I loved it, man. Um, Before we even get into it, for Brandon Bean to take out of his life to to give – to mine and my life and my my aspirations, like it, that just shows you the type of, you know, guys that I'm around with the Buffalo Bills from from ownership all the way down. That just that just shows you the type of guys that I deal with. I'm super blessed to have people like Brandon Bean in my life, man, and to sit down with him and talk like steps and what I could be doing now, you know, and this and that, like. Man, I, and I'm blown, I'm blown away, man, and um, to go to the combine and be able to, you know, just sit back and just observe, you know, it's. It, it was cool, man. I've been on the football team since I was in the fifth grade. I've been, I've, I've been, I player evaluated guys without me even knowing it. Like, yeah, this is this <laughs> is what I do. This is what I know. I play football. I rush the passer. I've been on super. I've been on two um, Super Bowl teams, and I've been on another team. We made it all the way to the Super Bowl and didn't make it. And I'm able to to really identify all those similarities and identify the reasons why the one team didn't make it. What made it successful? What derailed us? Our Buffalo Bills team. How are we compared to those teams? It's not even about it didn't most of the time. You know, it's not even about like football and having great players. All this stuff will take care of itself. You got to have great, great infrastructure as well. You want great coaches. You want a great environment. You want an environment that that breeds competition and and uh, players evolving on and off the football field. Because it starts with the player. It starts with player safety, and to be able to sustain that over to be able to sustain that over a long period of time, you have to have great. Um, doctors and mental health guys in the facility and great cafeteria workers and great coaches what makes a great coach how do you create a, a great coaching staff and you know all of these things that um just by getting started on it and being able to hear brandon bean's piece on it was was amazing well that's awesome man no doubt whenever you transition to that next chapter uh, of your career uh, i'm sure you'll have a, a ton of success thank you Greg Olson played 14 seasons with the Bears, the Panthers, and the Seahawks. He made three Pro Bowls. He was a two-time second-team All-Pro tight end. Greg just completed his first season as Fox's lead analyst, his second year there, and did a terrific job. He launched, along with George Kittle, 
Tight End University a couple years ago. And Tight End University is coming up June 20th, the third year they're doing this at Vanderbilt University. Here's Greg. Greg, going into your second year at Fox, what's that like now, the difference between knowing you've done a great job, you've been able to handle everything, uh, experience it for the first time last year? Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I, I think the the biggest thing is, you know, anytime you're going into something that you have some former experience in and you have some familiarity now with my teammates and, you know, and the rest of the crew and, you know, you've called games at, you know, on this stage and in front of these, you know, play, I had never called the playoff game. I never called the Thanksgiving day game. I never called the Christmas Eve or Christmas day game. So last year I got to check so many boxes um, that I didn't have going into the season. So you know, it really was just a case last summer of, you know, you really don't know what you don't know. I, I, I knew one full year of one crew and I, and I knew that well, by the end of the year, I was very comfortable and I knew how we operated and I knew what to expect. And then it was just really a new learning curve, um, in, in a lot of ways throughout the course of last season. But, you know, I was fortunate to the group that I was put with from, from our producer and director to, you know, the other talent with, with Kevin, of course, and, and Aaron and Tom who've accomplished so much in their in their careers, um, you know, it made my transition a lot easier. I think going into now having the whole crew back together, that familiarity, that, you know, that kind of connection um, just leads us to even have a better season. It leads us to to be more comfortable going in. There's not that feeling out process. There's not that beginning where everyone's kind of trying to, you know, get a measure of where everybody stands. We can just jump right back feet first where we picked up and say, hey, let's see how much better we can get. You know, how much of a better broadcast can we have? And and what can we do to even increase everyone's experience? So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to now having, I've never gone back to back seasons. Granted, I've only done two, but I've never gone into a second season where everything was the same. And and I'm looking forward to that, just like I was when I was a player. You know, any off season where there was a ton of turnover and change, early on there was some you know getting used to. But in this case, we just pick up where we left off and uh, see if we can just continue to improve. Tell me about that. Because there's some uncertainty or there was some uncertainty, right? As you went into your first year, going into the second, we know about Tom Brady, his deal and all that stuff. But you are, all of you are coming back together for this season. How did you handle some of that uncertainty, not knowing or, and when did you know? Yeah, so I I, I wasn't sure. You know, there's uncertainty has kind of been um, at the center of all this for the last year or two, but I, but it really... I don't think that's unique to us. I don't. I, I think the people, the folks at Fox, the the powers to be there, have been nothing but upfront. They've been nothing but truthful and upfront, which I've always appreciated. And and I was very confident that if I just worried about doing my job, if I just was confident about trying to do the best that I could be, to be the best teammate, to be the best broadcaster, be the most open minded to learning from some really talented, experienced, successful people on my team. That, that everything else would really just have a way of sorting itself out like it typically does. Very similar to like when you're a player. I think it's when you start really worrying about the background noise and start worrying about all the other factors that you don't control. All of a sudden, you take you take your mind and your energy and, and, and all of your of your time and you take it off the part that you can control, which is, you know, how did I prepare? How did I come across on the broadcast? Did we make it a fun? Was it informative? Did people like it? Did you bring an element of... Uh, of information and education to the broadcast, like all the factors that are in your control that make for a fun broadcast. If you're just so worried about everything away from that, it's going to come across on air. And, you know, I, I, you know, obviously Tom's going to take this year off. He made that announcement leading up to the Super Bowl, and then we'll see what happens next year. But for right now, I'm going into this season, trying to have a better year than I did last year to, to have a more interesting broadcast, to be, you know, even better on air, learn more things, use different angles. There's so many things that I haven't even started to scratch the surface with, 
um, that I think with time will just continue to improve. How much does it help you, Greg, the fact that you played in the league just a short time ago and, and that you're familiar with players, you're familiar with coaches and staffs and concepts and and all of that stuff? Yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely some advantages to that. I think, um, you know, I, I think there is a familiarity with the game, the play style, the the coaches, the the schemes that are very similar to when I played. I also do think, though, there, there's, you know, someone asked me this not too long ago, and, and I, I think I have learned more about the universal aspects of professional football in the NFL more now as a broadcaster than I did as a player. And, and what I mean by that is when I was getting ready to play a game, my study was from the eyes and perspective of a tight end, right? I'm studying defensive linemen. I'm studying fronts. I'm studying coverages. Who's going to guard me in man? Who's going to guard? Who, what do the zones look like? How am I going to get open, right? I'm looking at it. I wasn't spending a lot of time on what the other team's left tackle did or what the other team's pass protections were or what their run scheme was because it had no real, it didn't matter to me. Now, when I'm preparing for a game, I'm looking at the game from all 22 positions the perspective of the coach, timeouts, clock management, fourth downs theory, game strategy, um, pass protect, just all now, all the different angles and threads that make football, you know, both equally complicated, but also so amazing and magical and, and the beauty of the game. And I've really enjoyed that. You know, I enjoy for, you know, for a minute and a half during the broadcast to speak from an offensive lineman or for a minute and a half of the broadcast tell you, why the defensive coordinator built his coverage plan against Tom Brady for this reason or that. Like I've enjoyed not just having to talk about a tight end or just have to talk about the quarterback because he has the ball. I think that part is obvious to the viewer. I think to give them some context of why decisions were made, why these plays were called, what are the coaches trying to get the players to do it to me? That's been the fun of our broadcast is to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and, and shine some light into that aspect of the game. And I've enjoyed those conversations with other coaches and learning the game through other people's set of eyes. Um, because a lot of those things were not things that really were my responsibility when I was a player. Do you get much feedback from current players? Maybe, maybe saying anything as far as, Hey, you were too critical, or I like the way you analyze that, or do they really not listen, pay attention, watch, or, you know, I got guys say that all the time. We're not, not listening. We don't hear all that noise, but how is it? Cause you have relationships with players. Obviously you were still, still in the league. Yeah. Guys hear it. They can say whatever they want. Everybody knows what's said about them, especially in today's day and age, where if somebody says something critical, you're probably going to get it on Twitter. Or you're going to some, one of your family members is going to send you the article. Guys know what's said now, knowing what's said and being sensitive and being over, you know, being reactionary are two different things. You know, a lot of guys hear it and it's just, you know, water off a duck's back. It's like, all right, you have your opinions right or wrong. It doesn't take me away from my process or my predictions. Some guys though are sensitive to it. They they don't like having negative things said about them, which I guess is kind of human nature, but you know, my, my theory of being, and so to answer your question, I have not, I haven't heard from anyone who said, you know, you've been unfair. And, And again, I've probably gotten a few things wrong. I'm not, you know, too big to admit it. What I always try to do is I always make it a point that I don't ever come at things from like a personal angle. I don't ever attack the player. I don't ever attack their motivations. I don't ever attack their, you know, their mental approach or anything. I try to just keep it. Hey, here's what they're, this is most likely what they're being coached to do. And this is why the play was successful or unsuccessful. And they need to be better at this or this, or they ran the route was supposed to be this deep. And you can see where the ball went, that he was short or the pass protection, whatever it is, you can point out 
as long as you know what you're talking about, you can point out where guys mess up. You can point out where the failures are. That's our job. But you can do it in a way that doesn't come across personal. You can do it in a way that doesn't attack the player and who they are. And and what that's where I think guys sometimes go wrong is sometimes attacks feel personal. They feel mean. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I'm going to give criticism where fair criticism is due. I think that just is the only way to to keep any relevance and keep any credibility as a broadcaster. Everything can't be great, but at the same time, everything can't be bad. Right. And I think it's just fair to call, you know, call balls and strikes and the way they are. And um, I think as players, I know as a former player, I can respect that. As long as that guy knows what he's talking about and he's just not making things up and talking crazy, I can deal with criticism if criticism is justified. Yeah, and I, I love the fact how you said you just don't make it personal. And I, I think more and more people ought to embrace that kind of approach and that that way of doing it the way you do, Greg. Uh, tell me about Tight End University. I know it's been successful for, for a couple of years. You're going into now um, the third season of TEU. Has it lived up to all of your expectations and the vision when you first decided, you and, and George and, and Travis, to put this together? Yeah, I think it's probably far exceeded our expectations. You know, two years ago when when George and I were just texting about me possibly coming down to Nashville and and kind of hanging out with the guys, the five or six guys that live in Nashville in the offseason down by George and, you know, just come down and work with them and get together and just do some tight end stuff. You know, all of a sudden it grew to 10 guys and George, you know, George and I talked and we said, you know, there's other positions that have done this and, you know, maybe we can make this a little bit bigger than just an informal get together for a day or two at your house. And from there, we got Travis involved, and obviously, you know, having George and Travis involved in the in in the camp obviously went a long way in giving it credibility and relevance. So once the three of us were kind of all on the same page that we wanted to make this a reality, year one we got about fifty guys, year two we got about eighty. Uh, we're going to be somewhere in that number eighty eighty five again this year. In year three, we we hold it down in Nashville. It's at Vanderbilt. They open up their campus, their facility to us, which. It's just a beautiful place. It's the perfect location, central in the country for guys to get to. Um, we get great corporate sponsorship. Uh, Charmin has come on again as our title sponsor. Um, I see you laughing. Everyone kind of gets the joke there with the tight ends. Um, we do a lot of cool community stuff, both last year with Bridgestone. We did some stuff with the boy, the Nashville Boys and Girls Club this year. Bridgestone's coming back. We're going to do a, a, a community-wide literacy program where we're going to go out there and, and interact with the community. So there's a lot of really cool angles to the you know, to the camp other than just getting together. The, the core of it is just getting together with tight ends that want to improve and really sharing a lot from a lot of, you know, talented, experienced guys. But at the other end, it's a lot of fellowship. It's a lot of camaraderie and it's a lot of community giving. We all love the Charmin angle with, with tight end university. It's perfect. Greg, is there anything new? Are you guys trying to do anything different? I, I know each year um, it, it's growing and it's, it's evolving. You know, I I still think the camp, the time in the meeting rooms and the time on the field is still the core of why we do this, right? And I think, and then around it, our goal is to try to give the guys as great of an experience as they can. We have great, you know, we have a party that we host at the hotel the night everyone gets in just for the guys and their families. Um, you know, we go out one night to downtown Broadway in in Nashville and, and George sets us up at one of the bars and hang out. So there's a lot of really cool opportunities for guys to just spend time together, get to know each other. You know, a lot of these guys have never met, you know, they play the same position. They live on different sides of the country. They've never actually interacted. So that's really the magic of the event is the relationships that are formed, the the contacts that are formed, and really the information that's so freely shared amongst, you know, guys that combined have a lot of experience and a lot of success playing the position. 
Um, I think that at the end is the beauty of why TEU has become such a big deal. How have you seen the position evolve? Because I still think tight ends, Greg, are underpaid in relation to to wide receivers. Yeah, and I think that's going to continue to be the case in, until guys continue to to change the market. I think for so long, the top tight ends were the top tight ends for so many years that it was hard for anyone to ever leapfrog them. And now with the new draft, even if you are a tight end that gets drafted really high, you're not, you know, in the old draft system, you would artificially create a new market for the position. Um, you know, those days are now over. So it, you know, it, it took Travis and George, you know, to take that number from kind of where Gronk was for so long and really jump it to another level. It's going to take another kind of quantum leap from another young tight end to kind of come in and try to jump those guys. It's just hard to make a case that you should be paid more than Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Darren Waller. So you better be better. You better be really damn good if you're going to make the case as a young player for your next contract to beat them. So it's really a leapfrog game. Um, but unfortunately, the position has been dominated by a handful of guys for such big, long periods of time that there hasn't been a lot of growth in the market. But hopefully, hopefully now as the position continues to evolve and continues to show just the value that it brings, um, it can kind of catch up to some of the other positions. Greg, well, man, thank you. I appreciate your time and, and your input and your insight and, and look forward to seeing you on the broadcast again this year. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Time for some final thoughts. Another player, Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers, has admitted to gambling violations, and he bet on his team, the Colts. There have been too many players now who have been caught gambling. You just simply can't bet on football. It's easy. No matter how much money the league and teams are making for marketing deals with betting apps, sports books, all of that stuff, it's always been that way. You can't bet on your sport, and you most certainly can't bet on your own team. I know some players are pleading ignorance. It's well known. Now, betting on other sports is allowed if you don't do it from team facilities. So I know there could be maybe some confusion. That's what the players are saying. But the best way to avoid any issues is to ban any gambling by players, coaches, team officials across the board. No sports at all. No gambling, period. That's it. That's it for this week. Thank you to Von Miller and Greg Olson. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, check out my colleague, Ralph Russo, and his AP Top 25 college football podcast. Till next week, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing.